Cinema Spectator, a movie podcast, is produced because of listeners like you. If you want to support our show, you can share it, give us a rating on iTunes, and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ecfsproductions, where you can throw a couple dollars our way and get access to our exclusive content. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. And welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch movies in the cinematic canon. Today's film, The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, directed by Peter Jackson, starring Elijah Wood and Ian McKellen. My name is Cameron Tubman. I'm joined with Isaac Ransom. Isaac, how are you doing? I'm good. It's a late Monday night. We usually record about an hour or two earlier, but I kept Cameron up waiting. I had to pick up my parents from the airport. So, uh... And uh, I have to say, I was shocked when I jumped on to our Riverside show because Cameron looks incredible. I just can't. He he just. I mean, come on. This is this is a movie expert. Look, this is just perfect cinematography. He's got a great rig. The bokeh's just right. It's a good thing uh, I mean, this is an audio podcast. I appreciate the effort just so I can see every pore on your face in high definition. This helps me. It helps me. It gets me energized. Sure, sure. You know feel a little bit excited, you know, but, uh, no, I'm, I'm good. You know, last week was a slog. Mm. Uh, I, I felt like last episode when I was listening to myself record, I was like, man, I'm just beat. And that was the beginning of the week. <laughs> you know, I just had like, <laughs> I had so much work to do yeah. and I got most of it done. Not all of it. Um, just the, with, with my job, we do stuff for black Friday. So it's just been a nightmare. And, yeah, just this season in marketing and stuff is, it's always a busy yeah. season. Um, but the sale is working and the brunt of the work is behind me, I hope. Um, now I just have to repair all the damage I've done towards the end of the month and uh, hope that everything flows naturally. But, you know, nothing like a Monday morning starting with the entire uh, main website that you worked on crashing and not working at all for 20 <laughs> minutes and... Everybody's yelling at you on oh, the phone. No. So my, you know, uh, my spirits are still up. Can't get That's me good. down. That's you know? Always the positive one in um, this relationship, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, I picked my parents up for the airport. They got me uh, a Bucky shirt. That's what I'm wearing. <laughs> we were just talking about Bucky's before recording. Had some of those Bucky nuts. Mm. So uh, I am. I think I'm a little cracked on some sugar, and I'm going to crash by the end of the show. I'll be like, yeah, guys. So two towers is so good, you know, like just basically falling asleep. How about you, Cameron? How's the week been? Um, I'm doing good. Yeah, last week it was pretty busy, but you know, overall not too bad. I was gonna say I forgot to tell you that I watched Get Out uh, for Halloween. I also after I watched Get Out, I watched um, Silence of the Lambs. So we did a whole show on that, so we don't whoa, have to talk about. Whoa. whoa. Um, but uh, yeah, both of those great movies. Get Out is is funny because I haven't, I, I don't think I've seen it since it's been a, a couple years, um, and it's a lot of fun. It's it's a really interesting movie. Um, I like the small scale, uh, you know, mostly in that house. It's funny, you know. It's got it's got all the charming things you like about, um, you know, about uh, Peel. So yeah, I don't know. It was. Um, it, yeah, it was it was it was good. And then this week, 
because I guess it's that time of year. We, me and Kiana started watching uh, Harry Potter. So we watched the first Harry Potter. Oh. Um, she watched the second one or skipped the second one without me or something. I don't know. Uh, but then we watched the third Harry Potter, which is an excellent movie. It's really good. So. Wow. So we have a sinner in our mm-hmm. presence. Yes. No, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Uh, no. <laughs> you know, I've only actually gotten up to the first three, mm. and I was kind of irritated with the franchise because I'm holier than thou. Definitely. Uh, and I wasn't allowed to watch mm. it, you know, as a Christian young man. No, I, I watched the first three. I just found that, and, and I, I kind of had, have been thinking about this because we've been watching Lord of the Rings. I found that, like, they were pulling stuff out of nowhere <laughs> for me. That's how it felt. Like, it was like... They were like, uh, there's this all of a sudden and this. It felt kind of like a, um, like MacGuffin after MacGuffin or something like that. Like they just had different devices or spells that I was like, I didn't even know they could do that. But that's how it felt like throughout every single movie progressing constantly of like, wait, what is that? There's apparently this. Now there's this. Um, but I do remember enjoying the third one the most. Uh, and I think there were some cool... Isn't there something up with the director of the film? Yeah, it's film? Alfonso Cuaron. So, director of yeah. Children of Men, Gravity, uh, Roma, which everybody loved. <laughs> just kidding. Um, <laughs> well, that, I mean, that makes a lot of sense just because uh, I obviously love Children yeah. of Men. And uh, that one stood out. The other two were just very happy. Uh, they felt kind of like whimsical. Yeah, well, in in the way. Guess that they who? Guess who stuff. made those two movies? <laughs> Chris Columbus, the director of Home Alone. <laughs> oh, I thought you. Were <laughs> I was like, wait, that Christopher Columbus cannot be alive. Come on, no, his name <laughs> Just, is Chris Columbus. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No. 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 Okay. Yeah, I can see that a little bit of that Home Alone energy with the Diagon Alley, and it just feels like it's it. I mean, it definitely captures like a magical thing. It makes perfect sense why Universal would turn this into a theme park. Oh yeah, okay. uh, element. I mean, it it the movies already kind of seep that energy as you watch them. Um, but it's been a long time. I've always wanted to get to like the last two and get some of those emotional payoffs. Um, but I just after the third one, I was like, yeah, okay, that was, uh, that's enough. Honestly, me. I feel like the books um, are just better overall, um, better laid out, yeah. but. You know, the movies are fun. They've got charming moments. I, I really like uh, the third, and I like the sixth a lot, too. But that one's more contentious. The third is universally loved. But Well, I was just wondering, like, how much of the goofy, like, out-of-nowhere stuff is in Lord of the Rings. And I'm assuming it's a lot, because I watched uh, Two Towers with Jules. Mm. And we can get into some of it, um, I guess, a little bit later. But that's what I've always kind of wondered is, like, how much context can you give in a movie compared to like a book with, with, um, with Harry Potter, it seems to do a thing where it's like, it's just fun. And that's why it kind of all works and makes sense in those first two movies. Um, and it doesn't feel like jarring for the audience. It doesn't feel weird. You're just kind of like, okay, you know, like you're just sort of like smiling through it. Um, and then with like Lord of the Rings, I feel like the first film does a lot to, set up a bunch of elements, whether it's through uh, disposition, characters talking about, oh, you know, you know who these ring wraiths are because you've seen them from the beginning of the movie, right? Or um, there there are some setups with like 
Gandalf saying, well, I don't want to go through the mine. Or, or Saruman says, you don't want to go through the mines. You know what's down yeah. there. So the audience is already like, okay, we're expecting something crazy down there. And you're kind of subverted with, okay, it's orcs. Oh, wait, no, there's something even mm-hmm. worse that the yeah. orcs are afraid of, right? Um, where some of those things aren't explained are things with like Gandalf, the moth, and the eagle, right? <laughs> uh, where it's kind of out there. And then, well, the- you know, e- even... Well, yeah, I guess so. even <laughs> even in this in the second movie, like even the concept of Ents and whatnot was interesting to watch. Jules did not watch Fellowship mm-hmm. with us, right? So we're watching this with the Ents, and she's like, "Oh man, like what is even going on here?" Um, <laughs> and I think it kind of comes with like the fantasy context, but I'm just I'm kind of curious in that topic. Yeah. I think I think um, I think maybe Harry Potter would be a great case study uh, around that. But so you've watched the first three. How many movies are in the, the franchise? Eight. Well, and then the and other Fantastic Beasts movies, but nobody wants Yeah, that's, that's like talking about the yeah, Hobbit trilogy, yeah, yeah. right? Calm down. I, I never even watched it. Um, <laughs> what, what, what? You didn't watch what? The no, no, or? the Fantastic Beasts movies. Oh. Well, I was going to ask, in terms of like all eight, are the first three, like, is that the best? Or does it like kind of have like a slope or what happens i personally i really hate four um though a lot of people like it it's weird it's it's like it's one of these very divisive movies um i am mixed on five i think it's pretty good but um you know has it it just you know it's good it's a good movie it's got a really good scene um and then six i really like it has like a different kind of tone there's like romance and like there's other these other things uh in it that i think work really well seven part one is my favorite of the final two uh but also very very contentious and then i didn't like seven part two at all but um yeah but that one is is also pretty universally acclaimed so i'm kind of an odd person i don't like i like one through three i don't like four don't like seven part two yeah yeah, hmm. that's my rubric. Okay. 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 Well, you'll have to let me know as you get through the rest of them if your opinions change at all. I don't know. You could swing on four, Cameron. Maybe. Maybe. I don't think so, but maybe. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> on a rewatch. Well, I've been watching just a few things this week. You know, Two Towers is basically two movies. Oh, man. I, yeah. Like I was kind of feeling it long. <laughs> this time around. I was like, it was it was weird. I was like, this movie is way longer than i remember but then when the credits rolled i was like should i start the next one i still kind of had that experience right um even though it felt too long i i split it up into two nights so i felt like i watched a lot of movies this week but technically i guess only two the only the 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 other movie that i watched um was a little bit of a shock for me and it was on date night with jules we watch devil wears prada Mm. have you watched no i have not So this was sort of my take on it. I never wanted to watch this movie because I thought it was going to be like some kind of eyes wide shut sort of movie. (laughs) Um, It was not. Uh, It was the normal, you know, rom-com sort of uh, girl who doesn't have it figured out, kind of figures it out and learns a lesson along the way. Um, Yeah, I loved Devil Wears Prada. 
I thought it was one of the best rom-coms I should have seen a long mm-hmm. time ago. Uh, really great film, uh, quite enjoyable, and I loved the message in the movie. I thought it was extremely meaningful. Mm-hmm. And so if you're looking for a movie like that, you know, very lighthearted, very easy to watch, you know, if you're a Princess Diaries fan, Cameron, <laughs> you know, like, I think it's going to be right up your alley. All right. Um, so you could pull this one out. I think I, I think we saw it on Max. Yeah, I've heard HBO, really good things about it. So. I think my mom really likes that movie. But you should give it a shot. I think um, I think Kiana would like it as yeah. well. Um, I'm sure she's seen it. I don't I, know. <laughs> I don't know. I I just I loved it. I thought it was super super good. Highly recommend. Maybe we'll have to cover it on the show at mm. some point. Um, I, like I said, I still want that rom com month, Cameron, and this one deserves to be okay. There. I think, um, I'm, I'm, I, t- what do I know about like classic rom-coms or talkies? No, I have no <laughs> idea, but I thought this, this was, this was really, really great. So often we, oh, I guess I, I guess I did watch one other one. Um, I think I was on an Anne Hathaway kick or something with Jules. We were watching rom-com, but we watched another one called Bride Wars. <laughs> Don't watch that. Okay. That one is, is much, Got much it. worse. Got it. Um, I'll cross it off my list. Yeah. Yeah, I knew, I knew that one was kind of getting to the yeah, top there, Cameron, so I wanted to just warn you about it. Um, but it's time to get into the two towers. This is Cinema Spectator. If you enjoy the show, you can support us at patreon.com slash ECFS Productions, just like our executive producer does, Darren O'Neill. Shout out to Darren. Saw your message on Patreon. Thinking about you, Darren. I'm thinking about you. Uh, and you can get a bunch of benefits like exclusive episodes and commentary tracks that usually have us talking over the movie for about an hour and then falling asleep while we're watching it. Uh, no, that's not fully true. Uh, we, we do talk, but you know, it kind of winds down. We get invested in the movie. So you can check out that bonus content there. I think there's a little audio preview. You can listen to like, I don't, I don't know, like three minutes of it or something. Nice. Uh, if you want to see what's going on there, we covered the fellowship of the ring, which I believe is a great, commentary track camera and i were sort of talking through the movie as fans and then we also did uh it follows which was last month's horror movie um and that commentary track was interesting because we had i had some expectations i feel like it's much more of a reaction based thing but we have a bunch of different episodes on there for the patrons if you're interested check it out if you don't have a few dollars it's all good we appreciate you being here just listening to the show helping our small production Giving the show a rating on iTunes helps so much. Sharing the show with friends and family, I mean, that all helps it grow. So we appreciate you guys being here. Cameron, we're doing the Lord of the Rings trilogy for November. It's that Thanksgiving vibe. I'm feeling grateful these movies were made. Me too. We're big fans. Um, And uh, we're going to dig right into The Two Towers. Go ahead and kick us off. Yeah, so The Two Towers, I mean, what to say? It's the sequel to the movie we watched last week. It really is. It is... um, it's funny with trilogies there's always this like um you know the second movie in the trilogy has like usually really high expectations and a lot of times it becomes like the best movie of the trilogy you know if you think about like the dark knight or if you think about uh empire or you know something like that but you know it's it's funny because it's a movie uh th- this one is you know lives up to that uh, but a lot of seconds in the in the trilogy usually end up being um like the movie without ends <laughs> you know it has it has no beginning no end you know you jump right into the um 
into the action and you're kind of you're still in the action by the end of it um waiting for the for the finale for the conclusion um this one has uh an excellent opening um one that i think is you know just i mean yeah incredible stuff um with with striking visuals of of gandalf uh fighting off the balrog um and you know uh uh, battling uh, through the air as he's falling, uh, which is pretty sick. Um, but it does feel like you're you're kind of thrust into the action that was happening this you know this past movie. And then as far as endings go, um, you know we maybe we'll spoil it a little bit later, I guess. But it does it feels you know like a connective tissue kind of ending. Um, you know, you're you're uh, all of the. All the storylines, yeah. There's this big battle. There's this massive conclusion. You know, that's that's great. But but we're really we're kind of waiting for the next uh, thing to happen. Um, though for a middle movie, um, I do think you know there are some real highlights of of the series. Um, and I guess I did just say that a lot of middle movies have. Um, you know, <laughs> end up becoming the best of the, of the, of the trilogy. But, um, I don't know for, for me, I've never seen two towers as like the best Lord of the Rings, but every time I watch it, I'm like, man, yeah, that was, that was awesome. Like there's some, there's really great moments in here. Um, though, as I kind of mentioned early on, um, I don't know. Did it feel kind of long to you? It felt a little bit long. Maybe it's just the extended cut, like adding some scenes. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the extended edition is like four yeah. hours long. And uh, yeah, it was kind of brutal watching through it. I split it up, like I said, in two nights. So it was a little bit better. Um, but yeah, it really, it really goes. I mean, like you're, you're introducing new characters halfway through that. Two yeah. Hours, which feels kind of jarring right with with uh faramir's entrance and stuff you're kind of like oh my gosh like we're just getting to this wow um and even like yeah it, it, it's i think the extended might be a little bloated um i should watch the theatrical version of the two towers i don't really even know what they add and what they didn't but this is a world that being a fan like i enjoy being in and sitting through. So all the extra little scenes of, you know, Marion Pippin picking apples and long bottom leaf and stuff like, it's like, I love that. It's almost like, I, I don't know. Th those are the scenes that I want to see yeah, yeah. in a weird way. Um, so the extended, it's like, it's kind of a requirement uh, be, being a geek with these movies. Um, but I want to second what you were saying about uh, Two Towers. You know, Tim told me, I uh, hung out with Tim this last week for his birthday. Happy birthday, Tim. Everybody say happy birthday, happy birthday Tim. Happy birthday, Tim. No matter where you are, out loud, don't say anything else. Don't let anyone around you understand. <laughs> um, and Tim would appreciate that energy. Uh, but I was hanging out with Tim. He said, oh, yeah, Two Towers is the best movie best movie in the trilogy and i'm like i don't think i've ever met anyone say that. <laughs> you know like yeah. I've, never, I've never heard anyone say that and that just seems like a tim smith opinion but kind of stepping back and watching it i was like where's he coming from this movie really does blend a lot of what's great about the first movie and the last movie into a package that gives you 
it all in one thing. Uh, whether it's like Mary and Pippin being a little goofy with the trees, kind of has elements of the Shire there, uh, from the hiking journey of Frodo and Sam to sort of like the ramping action in Rohan with uh, Legolas, Aragorn, and Gimli. Um, I think that this movie has a great linear build. It's like a crescendoing film, uh, which what's weird about <laughs> uh, the fellowship is that it's sort of like a small crescendo at the end. Like it's, it's a, it, it, it does lead up to something, but it's much slower and much more emotional. Yeah. Uh, this movie kind of has that blockbuster punch that uh, the the franchise is known for in some ways. And then as it ends in crescendo, it feels like return of the King is just like, double crescendo <laughs> right? like it's like it like just gets like super duper loud for like five hours of, of an extended cut right so i i do remember return of the king being almost exhaustive but i'm so excited to see um that movie and all of its its small details yeah there was a, a little bit of a middle slump for me on this viewing that's why i split it into two nights i was like i'm gonna stop watching because i'm tired and then picking it back up i was like I'm happy. I'm glad I split it into two watchings, you know? Um, I think there's a good argument that Amazon should do what uh, Tarantino did with the um, Hateful Eight (laughs) and split uh, Lord of the Rings into like a miniseries. I think people would love those extra cuts, even if they use the uh, extended edition cuts. Maybe even use extra scenes or touch up extra scenes that didn't make the film. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, even as it is, it kind of is broken up in a way where you can either watch it in two big movies or you can kind of take those in smaller chunks. Um, like, I really think, I think the movies, as much as the extended edition, I feel like it does add a lot of ancillary things. Um, but in some ways, it the the pace is still there for me at least for the most part like 90 percent of of the pace still really works um there's a couple scenes that i think are 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 a little overkill a little overkill but but even like even the um there's that that amazing scene which is not in the theatrical version with um uh with denethor um and uh, Boromir, you know, he he takes over the, um, you know, whatever flooded town they're in. Wait, you're kidding? That's not, That's in, not the, in the in the original, yeah. Um, oh but it's a gosh. great scene. Yeah. It really is. Um, that adds like so much to the yeah, movie yeah, one hundred percent. Um, you know, so like there there are really essential things that I think the the extended cut you know keeps in, but in some ways like. Um, yeah, I, I get why some of this, <laughs> some of the sequences were, were cut, you know, the flirting of, of Aragorn and, um, and what's her name with the soup and stuff, you know, like there's just, it, oh, yeah, Aylin. there's just like some, I like the soup scene. I, That's what I'm saying is like <laughs> extended edition scenes. I'm always like, wait, I kind of like that. I really enjoyed that part. You know, I just um, mean like pace wise, you know, there you can. Yes. Understand. Yes. Um, but even then, like. It, it, like you're saying, it kind of gives this this background. Um, I guess do you want to take us through the 
uh, sort of the thrust of the movie. I, you know, we don't have to go in super broad detail, but um, you know, maybe it'll it'll highlight some some things that we want to pick out. Do you want to do you want to give us a, a quick summary? Sure. I think what what I'd like to do is because last week we talked through what happened and then we went through characters. This movie's already got characters segmented, so let's talk about their stories and kind of uh, highlight moments that we liked or that stuck out to us on another viewing and kind of dig into the aspects of the movie we liked. Do we recommend Two Towers? Oh, yeah. Of course. Of course. Recommend the yeah. trilogy. Um, rewatching Two Towers this time, extended edition, it's for the gluttonous <laughs> fan that I am, you know? But uh, yeah, I, Two Towers is not. The weakest link. No, not by a long shot. That, that's the I, thing. I, I, I don't know if there is a weakest link. Yeah, that's link. the thing. Each, we'll each of I, the movies, I'm like, <laughs> I really like this. You know, I, I have no, you know, I have minor quibbles and stuff. But but for all three of them, I'm like, I don't know. There's not a, there's not really a bad one in the bunch. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I second that. I think um, the last on the chopping block is Return of the King. Very, very curious to see how... It translates in it in its extended, and no, I'm not going to apologize for it because I didn't watch theatrical. I don't <laughs> care. I'm here for the extended. I didn't even. I don't think I've ever seen the theatrical of these movies. Period. So I wouldn't know the difference. All right, let's start with uh, Sam, Frodo, and Gollum. Probably the strongest character building in the film. Yeah, I think that. I think that Frodo goes through a transformation in this movie that I didn't remember. I, I kind of remember him just being there and experiencing it. But he has a lot of complexity with... Um, he kind of has like this two-sided nature about him in this movie that highlights on like a personal burden in some weird way. There's like an analogy there where he is extremely sympathetic, but he has outlashes and, and moments that don't make him look the best. And that really complements Sam's character being that friend that's there for him through the tough time. Um, it's even interesting when he doesn't side with Sam and begins to like latch on to like Gollum. And there's just so much happening with that dynamic from the source material of Tolkien's books that shines through excellently. That's why half of the two towers was written about these three guys and their journey. And I think there are even elements um, of their journey that, that are, they go into return of the King. I believe, I think Shelob's layer and Samwise the brave is the end of this, of the two of towers. Two towers in the book. Yeah. yeah. So their journey is in this movie, I think is, doing a lot of things. So the the first is, you know, Elijah Wood's kind of sinking trauma, like he's beginning to feel the weight of the ring. Uh, there's Sam being extremely protective and crucial to their success, which I didn't realize how much he had done to kind of make or help them get out of situations. Um, especially towards the end of the film with his interaction with Faramir. I loved... I love, loved the moment with him saying or talking about Boromir's death. Mm -hmm. I was like, whoa, yeah. I do not remember this. This is like hitting super hard for me right now. Um, 
So that's great. That's a great scene. The the way that they're suffering in Osgiliath, everything in Osgiliath with this movie, um, I wanted more of. Whether it's you know Sean Bean giving the speech and the dynamic that you get a glimpse of with um, the king. What's his name? Uh, Denethor. Denethor. Yeah. Yeah. So the interaction with Denethor between Sean Bean's Boromir and then Faramir, um, also being kind of like the reject son in all of it. Like it's, it's really good. I think there's like, there's so much there in the extended scene in Osgiliath. And then, um, with like the present timeline with, uh, Sam and Frodo Gollum being captured by, um, Faramir in Osgiliath, there's all that stuff with the ring wraith on the dragon, which is so cool. Um, yeah, just everything climaxing in that scene, I felt like I felt like it was it was it was greater than I remember, for sure. Um and then the clearest highlight of this the this trio is Andy Circus's Gollum. What a performance. Like just the way that his character develops from this yucky CGI creature that's there um to someone who has like a little bit of charm with that split personality to like a redemptive arc to the betrayal to the like kind of darks. Like there's just, it's a roller coaster with Gollum. Um, Juliana, who is not really into these movies. Like there was a lot about this film that when she was watching it with me, she was like, this is weird or this is gross. Uh, but it, there's something about Gollum that she didn't like him but she couldn't help but watch yeah. him, you know? And I think that's kind of like his energy in this trio. I was, I, I love his performance and the complexity he brings to Gollum. The scene where he saves Elijah Wood instead of Sam, great touch, right? Like where, I mean, I, I think it's part of the book, but the way that they do it, it's like he gets saved, Gollum's there. Gollum leaves, Sam is then there, like too late. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, and the, how that kind of like connects a trust between Frodo and Gollum. I don't know. It just, it's, uh, it's. I th- I think that that trio is the strongest part of the movie. It's why it begins with them. I think it's why it ends with them. Yeah. And Sam's ending, kind of like speech to Frodo. Like it kind of had me almost cry. Like I was like, wow. I'm such a baby. Like, what's wrong with me? I'm like, why is this so good? You know, I thought I was supposed to cry in the next one, but well, I um, I really like um, you know you you touched on it a little bit, but I like how in in this movie especially, pro, uh, maybe more so than uh, Return of the King, um, you know the internal battle. Like he can he sympath Frodo sympathizes with Gollum because he. Uh, because he can see himself, you know, be that in the future. You know, there's this, there's this like temptation that he's feeling, along with, um, you know, w- with with kind of the, you, what does he say? He says like, I pity him. You know, I pity Gollum. Basically, mm-hmm. like he can see that this is, you know, where he might end up one day. Um, which is kind of a scary thing for him, but but also, um, you know, it's also like I think maybe the the good nature of of Frodo, maybe that naive good nature of Frodo being 
um, trusting of of Smeagol, you know, being trusting of the good side of of Gollum, the you know the Hobbit side of Gollum, and you know it's a, it's an interesting dynamic um, that they go into in this movie that I think I think works really well. Um, it's interesting that you say it's like the best part of the movie, and I I think in some ways you're right, even though it's it takes up probably like ten percent of the movie. You know, it's a very like their story is very um, small in in you know the context of what's what's also going around in them. But I I I agree with you. I love you know I love their dynamic. I love sort of the. Um, you know, as they go further from the Shire, the trust between Sam and Frodo, you know, ends up, you know, stretching thin as, as they, as they go on this adventure. And then, you know, to tie it in with that, with that final, um, you know, speech about like, he, he, he didn't think that, you know, the, the adventure would be, would be quite like this, you know, he, he thought it would be, something like in, you know, in the old stories. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot different, you know, it's just a, I agree. It's just a really interesting touch. Yeah. There's also great moments with Sam turning to Frodo and saying, there's no hope for Gollum. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Frodo kind of having that moment of like, well, there has to be because you can tell like he's kind of connecting the dots. Like that might be me. Right. Yeah. You know, there has to be hope for me. And so that's a really cool, like mirroring thing. If you're, you know, I, I, uh, I feel like there were some cool parallels between like some kind of vice. Uh, I don't know if it's some kind of analogy or something, but a friend that wants to help you, that seems like a mean parent versus, um, kind of like a guide that's, a little less untrustworthy, you know, like there's just something kind of going on there that comes from the source material being, um, deep, but it works on a story level. It works on an entertainment level. Uh, and if you want to read into it, I think it's deep enough for that as well. And so that's why I believe it. I, I think it's, it's the best moment. It's also kind of multiplying what works so well about the fellowship. Um, I think it maybe is a little bit more complex, Complex than the fellowship. I think what I really took away from that first movie was that Elijah Wood has this great, um, or Frodo, sorry, Frodo Baggins has this great, um, evolution of his character, extremely naive, going on this adventure, experiencing loss, experiencing like a breaking of trust, and choosing to make a decision. Right, like there's something like very powerful about his personal story. He is the one that uh, is supported by everyone, but has sort of like this monumental change. And what I think is cool about the two towers is that there are multiple characters experiencing um, this kind of transformative aspect of the narrative. Now they could have easily just stuck with Frodo experiencing the change, but his change isn't as dramatic or extreme. So pairing it with Gollum uh, is great because Gollum goes through a lot of changes of personality. It adds so much depth to his character. Um, I think the extended scenes with uh, Faramir like, and all of that 
like like Faramir's character like has he has a change as well, right? He's a very complex character. Yeah, Just yeah. like I I would say that Boromir is is the um the second most complex character in the fellowship. Uh it's great to see his brother in this story uh still maintaining that that complexity. And even scenes in this movie with the early Osgiliath stuff adds even more depth to Boromir's character in the first film, right? Uh, and it, it doubles down on, on Faramir's depth. His, his kind of insecurity in being a failed general and a failed son to his father uh, and kind of breaking that down and beginning to make a decision uh, for what's right versus what will benefit him. You know, like it, it's kind of, it's powerful, right? And we didn't really see a lot of um, secondary characters having that trans- transformation in the, in the first film. Um, Sam sort of has this existential experience of wanting to help his friend, feeling quite helpless uh, throughout the whole experience. Sam basically is just failing this entire mm-hmm. movie uh, up until the end. Like he starts by kind of taking them in the wrong direction. He... Uh, sort of he he sort of like fails to out outplay or outsmart Gollum in some ways he's losing his friend to him um it's sort of a little more tragic for Sam up until the end where you know him and Frodo really reconnect um and I think I think that uh I think that there's just more depth given to most of the characters I think Aragorn's story belongs like his big transformation belongs in return of the King. Cause I didn't, I wasn't as compelled, uh, by his sort of like a to B start. Like he's kind of like, he's beginning to hear the calls for greater leadership and he's beginning to embrace them. Yeah. Um, and so I guess we can sort of dig into his storyline unless you want to add anything else. Let's, well, let's kind of close out the Sam and Frodo conversation. No, let's, yeah, let's get um, into Aragorn and, um, you know, almost everything with the other, uh, three, basically, you know, the, it's kind of the, oh, and Gandalf, I guess, um, everything with, with them, you know, including Rohan and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. So there's a lot introduced at the beginning of this movie. Um, you have, a quick continuation of Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas chasing after the hobbits, and that sort of that whole mystery and things gets quickly resolved, and you're introduced to Rohan, uh, King Theoden, uh, and um, Theo Theodred, who dies in that battle, his son, um, and uh, and then Carl Urban as. <laughs> <is>, uh, <laughs> Eomir, or I don't know how to say his name. I'm trying with the names, all right? But then you meet, like, Eowyn, who's kind of that... Um, is she, like, the cousin or the daughter or something? I don't I'm know, sure yeah. what's going on with that. It's not super... Uh, Maybe but the she's related to Carl... She, she's related to Carl yeah. Urban. I think the king is their uncle. Because his 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 final son dies in combat. That's what right, they're, right. they're hitting on in this movie. Um, Theodred, which is talked about in the book, I think, if I remember. Um, yeah, so you get our heroic characters trying to save Merry and Pippin and then being called into sort of this political 
uh, crumbling kingdom, right? The the whore, the riders of Rohan. They're in these big open fields. It's got Skyrim vibes everywhere. I mean, this is what inspired so much of uh, of of those games, and you know the big kind of Viking esque town castle fortresses with uh, big open fields. Great aesthetic, right? Saruman is sending out his Urukai. He's burning down villages. It's like the kingdom's kind of in, in shambles. And then you learn about King Theoden, who's under a spell of Grim Wormtongue, uh, who I never knew was the guy from uh, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. There's like this old guy <laughs> uh, in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Do you know no, what I'm I don't. Um, the, the actor's name is Brad uh, Dorif, I think. And he's definitely in, in Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> I think. Am I wrong? I don't know. This? I mean, I don't I don't see him, but it's possible. Curb did start like twenty years ago, so No, I got the oh, wrong guy. Bummer. Dang, I really thought it was. I guess I'm thinking of Steve Radish. Oh. Radish or something. No, is that right? I can't find a picture of this guy. What is going on here? He's a re- he's a Which weird looking dude. I mean, especially in this movie, but he's a yeah. He's he's got an interesting face. Let's see if I can find uh Kirby enthusiasm cast. Now I'm on this team. I'm, I'm on uh, this. But team. it wasn't even the right guy. Richard Lewis. I was thinking of Richard Lewis. You know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. I don't. All right, look up Richard Lewis. Tell me they don't look kind of similar. Just make sure I'm not wrong about this, okay? Um, but I guess his face is a little more narrow. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, Wormtongue speaking into uh, Theoden's ear, and y- you got that whole setup. Obviously, we're building up to the Helm's Deep fight, but there's a lot happening. Uh, and I mentioned the King's Son. That entire funeral sequence, I do not remember... It sets up Theoden so well after he is broken from the spell. That was a highlight yeah. for me watching this. It's kind of seeing Theoden's broken spirit. He's really got nothing left. He's quite depressed as a leader. Um, no, I, I and, love, uh, well, just to interrupt you, I love the, you know, almost everything from um, the early sort of Rohan stuff, I think is really, really. Um, interesting like i love the sort of political aspect of it but also like you know you kind of are thrust into this situation where the king is you know he's basically he's sickly because of this um you know advisor and once you know they kick out the advisor um you know he's able to to see you know the destruction that his absence is has brought um, and that's, it's just a really great, um, it's a really great turnaround because, you know, like you said, he, he's kind of, he's kind of lost in a lot of ways. He's, he's lost for hope, um, because his kingdom is on the brink of ruin from this, you know, this outside, you know, foreign influence basically, um, that is Saruman and, uh, you know, Helm's Deep is sort of, it's it's almost pitched in this movie, which I, I kind of didn't pick up on. It's pitched as a last hope for humanity, basically. It's like if if 
if Rohan falls, um, you know, that we're we're done for almost, you know, it's like it's like this is we're you know, we're going out in a blaze of glory. Nobody's, you know, breached Helm's Deep yet, but they're sending out tens of thousands of men, you know, so like, let's get ready for this. And I love, yeah. um, you know, obviously the Helm's Deep section is is amazing. It's it's a great battle sequence. My favorite part, and it always has been, I love the beginning of the, um, it's, it's not the, you know, when they're like walled up, it's when they're getting their arms down in the armory and it's, you know, all mm. these old guys and like a kid and, you know, it's just so like, it's so devastating, you know, like everybody's, uh, and he, he says that he says like, you know, they're, you know, most of them are, are two decades too old or too young, basically. Um, and, you know, it's just a great, it's a great sequence. Um, cause it's, I, you know, in all of these battle scenes, um, you kind of want there to be, there's like this, it, there's a, there's like an underdog nature to, to where you're, you know, to where you're rooting for. You're rooting for Helm's Deep because it seems like such a long shot. You know, it seems like they have no hope. Um, and, and Jackson, he just sets it up so well with those, with those scenes of, you know, the kids getting their, their oversized helmets and, and, you know, even with Legolas and that interaction that he has with Aragorn where, you know, basically they're, they're, they're almost on the brink of despair, you know, both of them. Um, you know, and that's, that's, it's, it's really great. Um, but I think, I think you're right in that Aragorn's, um, you know, the thrust of his, this is like the start of his, um, grabbing the leadership reins. Cause before in the, in, you know, in the last movie, he was really there as kind of a, a wandering, um, you know, adventurer almost. He's, he's there as, um, someone who has a lot of respect, you know, based on his lineage from around the world, but not, not a lot of respect in terms of, um, you know, his actual accomplishments. Um, and then, you know, in this movie, we find out that no, actually he's, you know, he, he's taken part in some, in, in some amazing battles, but he's kind of lost the sense of, um, you know, not, not the, not his leadership capability, but he's, he just hasn't had a desire to, to lead. Um, and in this, this movie, you know, there, you start to see that, that kindling, you know, you, you start to see him, um, take up the ma- mantle as a, as a commander, take up the mantle as someone who is making powerful, um, you know, decisions in sort of a, a political sense too. Um, so I, yeah, I, f- I find that to be a really great, um, story, even, you know, as much as like some of the some of the sequences are are a little exhausting, like I still think it works really well for Aragorn um, and just his his you know overall journey. Um, you know, I I think I think 
for me, the most tiresome stuff in, in this movie is like the love triangle stuff. Um, I never liked it all that much. I never thought it was that interesting. (laughs) It doesn't feel like him and Aragorn and Arwen. I don't know. Does it feel like they have like a real relationship? Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Like, I, yeah, I don't, it's, it seems like a lot of talk. I did appreciate that they had some time together just hanging out in this movie, which the last movie didn't seem to have very much of. They whispered to each other and then said, oh, so long, my love. <laughs> in this movie, I actually think that Arwen gets some... some yeah, she does. Character and, her, and her love, like, it's like she... Her love for him is there's like something there where it's like there's stakes, there's cost for her. Um, I love the scene with her at the, at the, like the grave of um, Aragorn. It like haunts me. I think Mm. the idea that like, would you like stay around? Like it kind of, it's, it's almost like, facing the morning of your long lost husband in advance. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like it's pretty, it's pretty intense. Um, that kind of stuff is usually in, uh, movies about old people like up, you know, (laughs) but for some reason they're including that those emotions and the, the sparking start of their relationship. So the love triangle doesn't work because there isn't really a triangle. It's a line and a, and then a point, right? Like, uh, Aragorn and Arwen are connected and then there's Eowyn up at the top of the triangle, like just trying to butt in or something. I'm not quite sure what's going on there. Um, it's yeah, honestly like Eowyn's annoying in this movie (laughs) in comparison to like, she's like kind of annoying in return of the King, but she has at least some interesting things going on with her. Um, I find her to be a and, really weirdly simple character in a lot of ways. Like, yeah, she yeah. her motive, like she doesn't even really have a lot of motivations other than being there because like, you know, because of her father or, you know, whatever else. And then obviously they're like trying to sneak in the like, I want to fight too, dad, you know, like wh- which is which is yeah. fine. Like it, it's you know, it's not bad or anything, but um, but I don't know. She I, she just never has interested me all that much as a, as a character. Um, it's weird too. I noticed it more maybe this time. It feels like he, like, Aragorn is like, um, he, you know, you know when, when you're like, uh, well, I guess you didn't have this experience, but, um, you know, he's like, he's like the older friend, um, you know, and, and he's like at a totally different stage in life. Um, and then, you know, the younger brother like brings around his, his other friend and, and, and they're like, Whoa, you're so cool. And, and you know, and then the, 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 the older guy's like, what, who are you? You know, like you're, you're 14. I don't, I don't want to talk to you, <laughs> you know, like, he yeah. he like he feels just in a totally different place. Um yeah, which is why I just I just think their scenes together are like um I don't know. I I she takes up too much screen time for me. <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah. If she had I, more complexity, I, then I'd be I'd be happier with it, I guess. 
I did sympathize with uh, some of Aragorn's like internal struggles in in this time. Like he he has this line that I just related to so much, where he was like, "I feel like I can't." I think he's talking to Legolas. He's like, "I can't figure out where my path goes." Mm. You know, he's like, "I can't quite figure that out." And then Legolas is like, "The path is right in front of you," and he's like kind of like, oh, like he's like frustrated with that, you know? And I was like, wow, that is just relatable, dude. Like, you know, (laughs) I feel like I can, I, I, I liked some of his, his moments. And then he has such a, um, like an ambition when the time calls for it. Um, I want to dig in more to Theoden though. Although I guess let's, we should touch on, um, Gimli and Legolas, Kind of side characters having fun. I I like their their banter in this movie is probably my favorite banter between mm. the two of them in the whole uh, trilogy. I think that they are, um, they really like hit their stride in this movie. Um, Legolas being like elitist in this film really works. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's like just he's the perfect amount of Legolas that I needed. I'm not talking about desolation of smog. Regulus, <laughs> right? Talking about this is this is where he's at, you know. Just enough cool factor. I love I love the scene where he's shooting arrows and the horses are coming over the hill. That's so cool. Um, or the moment uh, where Gimli is thrown across to the bridge in in Helm's Deep. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love the little interaction where he's he's too short to see what's going on <laughs> over the wall. Like all of that stuff just makes makes you chuckle. They they have a great dynamic in this. Um, yeah, they're I I I love them in the movie. Like Gimli becomes more of a um, instead of like dwarf man, he he has like a huge heart in this movie that really comes through uh, to everyone, including Eowyn and and Aragorn and everything. So yeah, I, I like them, but I think the highlight for me this time was Theoden previous watches. Theoden is grant a grumpy grampy after he comes back from being almost <laughs> dead grampy. Um, but like really they do such a good job setting him up post, um, kicking out Grima Wern tongue. That scene is awesome. Where he's gripping the sword and he's unhinged, dude. <laughs> like he's like, I'm going to kill this guy. Yeah, <laughs> and, honestly, and, like and, he should have. Like I, yeah, Ar- Aragorn's like, don't no, do it. Yeah, don't. I was like, whoa. <laughs> like the- Theoden's like a Game of Thrones king, you know? Like he is, he, he he's gone. He's dude. got. Like, he is pretty much. He's nuts. got you know every right to be upset and to want to kill Wormtongue. He's Wormtongue has been spinning lies in his ear to make him you know go senile for however long and he and he got his son killed like uh, what are we supposed to say like does he not as as the king you know of of rohan does he not deserve the 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 ultimate punishment i think he does i think he does and wormtongue's just gonna go back to saruman and spy you know even harder so just take care of him i think i think I think Aragorn made the wrong choice there. Okay. It's interesting. He's, uh, 
Theoden is like the real, like a real king. Whereas in Gondor, it's like there isn't a king. There's yeah, like kind of a stand-in, um, and he's so conflicted in in this movie. Um, he has that quote after his son's death about bearing your own child, and it's like it's delivered in a way that, like, he is really on the brink. Like he doesn't have anything left. Yeah, you know he's. It, there, there's just so much depth and regret in in who in what he's doing and what he's saying, and I think what's so great to see him transform across this movie is that how the people around him refuse to allow him to be hopeless. It's like he he wants to be defeated, like like in a weird way. He's like I I he is defeated mentally, mm. you know, like he is mentally defeated, and. He has like weird moments where he's like, you know, we're gonna have to like, like he make he keeps making bad decisions as a king. He's like, we're gonna, we're gonna go to Helm's Deep, and then it's like Legos is like, this is like a tomb. Like we're like walking into like death. There's that line about three hundred against ten thousand. Yeah, it's like craziness, right? Um, and then like he's walking around like telling the guys to be strong, right? And then. Aragorn's like, what are you doing, dude? Like, and he's like, what would you have me do? Like, this is it, you know? (laughs) But he like yells it, you know? He's like, we're all doomed anyways. Up until the final moments in that throne room where he does like the ride out, which is the funniest switch between (laughs) like, you know, kind of getting armor on and then all of a sudden they're fully equipped on horses. You're like, wait, how did that happen so great? Um, But yeah, no, Theoden's arc, I think I never realized how good the setup was. And I loved seeing him refuse to be hopeful. Um, When the elves march, he's like in disbelief. You know, he's like, how? When they're barricading the door, he's like this. He's always like, I can't hope, but he wants to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think his, his final ride out is he's like, I do. He's like, he's like, I do hope again. You know, even though it's suicidal, like he's like, and I shouldn't, but he, it's like restored for a second. Yeah. Well, and know, I, I like in that what, he, what he says right before that. He says, um, "What what would men do against such reckless hate?" That that's his lines right before um, Aragorn uh, asks him to write out, and I, I just love that. That's like, that's the, you know. All the all the walls are crumbling down, you know. The lights are going out. You are we're on the brink of of full collapse, and you know that's yeah. the feel that's the feeling that he has. And, and then I love um, I love how Aragorn, you know, it brings it back to his character who um, I forgot to mention, but there's that amazing scene with the kid. Um, and he, and he like pulls him aside and he like picks up his sword and he, and then I think he says at the end, he says, you know, there is always hope. Um, you know, so like, so that stark contrast between, um, Theoden and, and Aragorn as, as sort of these, these leaders where Aragorn, interestingly enough, like, I think, I think in some ways he probably doesn't have a lot of hope either. Right. You know, like 
the 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 scene you know yeah his lines you know three hundred men against against ten thousand and he says you know that I shall die as one of them um you know I think in some ways Aragorn is like is cloaking his um his feeling his true feelings um but also you know he knows that that for morale and for this for the spirit of of the battle you know he needs to be the strong leader who is hopeful um whereas theoden is you know tr- is truly uh has has given up a long time ago like you were saying um you know and and then it's again it's it's an interesting um interesting juxtaposition to have them ride out on a in a in a suicide mission like you were saying you know so yeah so it's it's a really the the depth there is is really interesting yeah um yeah it kind of just makes you think about like like how you're you can be faced with defeat and hopelessness I don't know. Like I was trying to like extract this movie's sort of deeper things. And I think it's, there's something about these films that rings with Tolkien's experience in history, but all of it, even though it's over dramatized and ridiculous, like there's like this sort of resounding truth underneath some of the thematic elements. Um, Something about like Aragorn being the younger one, he's still like respectful of Theoden being older and defeated. Like there's like some kind of like mutual understanding. Is he the younger there. one? I think he's much older. Oh, I guess you're right. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> now, now that you think about it. But um their their interaction is like I don't know, like Theoden's king or more senior, you yeah. know? And Aragorn is more adventurous, right? Um and uh, they just kind of have like this understanding and they take this like kind of blaze of glory risk uh, and then like the payoff of that. Like life doesn't always work out that way, but like, I don't know, like the, the concept of of hope within dire situations, it was... <sighs> I do I do believe that there there is something for as cynical as this show is there is something powerful about hope in in like darkness and and in the pursuit of it um I think this movie highlights on something that's hard to put into words um and I do agree with you that Jackson does a great job putting the odds as insurmountable undefeatable Right, there are plenty of moments in history where that is what seems to be the case. Yeah. I mean, from Tolkien's experience in the World Wars, I can't even imagine how some of the people that were there felt in those situations. If you just looked at the shrapnel and debris, uh, we I think we face things in our life right now that seem hopeless, um, and. I don't know. To me, this this movie kind of spoke to some of that and my own personal feelings around it. And I was like, "That's right," you know. Like, there's we we still need to be hopeful, right? That doesn't mean I'm not going to be 
the old guy that gets an orc cleaver in the head, <laughs> right? Yeah, there are plenty. Men, there are not many survivors, right? But uh, we can still be hopeful that some of them mm. will, you know, and that there there can be a step forward with it, right? Um, I think there's something there, right? I also loved um, how this greater conflict and this this deep war is sort of reflected with the Ents, which I thought were kind of just silly characters on the side, and I think they are. But this is where maybe some of the parallels of the political world come forward in this movie for me, which I think is... is I never had thought about it this way, um, but Merry and Pippin being the everyman uh, next to these ancient... <laughs> like game changing creatures. Yeah. Right. And you can kind of just begin to see how Tolkien was like these, these powerful ancient creatures take forever to make a decision as the audience. You relate with Mary and Pippin being like, you know, they're drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit. Right. You know, they're like, Oh, we're, you know, we're, we kind of like this life, you know, the tree, tree beards, water <laughs> growing a little bit. They're like, yeah, this is great. Um, but when it comes down to it, right. They're trying to get them to make a decision. I love how Treebeard decides no, and then they have the bright idea of, like, he just doesn't know really what's going yeah. on. He needs to go see it for himself. Um, and then the payoff of, you know, the Ents versus Isengard. Um, some of the craziest CGI stuff. I don't know how this movie looks so good <laughs> in, in some ways. I think they're mi- they must be mixing miniatures and layers and cgi but um this this movie has a ton of like like almost um world war z corpse effects going on where they have like tons of like little guys being blown up or washed away or hit by catapult rocks or ladders and that was pretty impressive just the sheer size of like armies in that in this movie is is crazy but I really was impressed with the dam breaking scene um, with the ends. I was like, wow, this shouldn't look as good as it does for being 2002. Um, I think you can tell that some of the effects are uh, outdated, but what makes the two towers and the entire trilogy so good is it, is it has profound art direction. Yeah. Um, it's why the original Star Wars movies are still great to watch. Uh, if the effects are practical and small, but the direction, the art direction is great. There's the attention to detail. It kind of just washes away, almost like an old painting. It's really impressive to watch some of the some of the effects, and I think the ends are put put on full display with that. What about Mary and Pippin's story, Cameron? Uh, yeah. Anything you want? Well, to Well, I guess I that? was. Uh, I guess before that, you mentioned the, um, you know, all the armies and you know the the giant numbers of, of orcs and, and ants and whatever else. Um, they used the software that was like cutting edge back in the day um, called massive. Um, and it kind of changed the landscape of like how they were doing these things. Um, but yeah, it's really impressive. If you have a chance, you should, you should look into how they, how they did all those armies. Cause it's, it's crazy, you know, and with the physics effects and the, you know, the, you're right. The dam breaking and all the water, like it looks, it looks great. It still does. Um, you know, really, really good stuff. Um, 
I guess with, yeah, with Marion Pippin, I do love, I've always loved that scene where, um, you know, they're, they're talking and they, they're, they're kind of the comic relief, like cutaways through the scene, through the movie, um, you know, and, and they, they're on this, you know, they're kind of be taking a lot, take, taken along for the ride, um, on this, this other side quest adventure to get the ends, you know, in the battle. Um, and, and yeah, I've always loved where, where, you know, he, he comes back and he's, he's like, Oh, so did they decide, you know? And he's like, Oh, we've just said hello. You know, it takes forever to, to, to say anything and, 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 um, and then, you know, and then obviously match with that, that beautiful and haunting scene where he, you know, walks out and the, the, you know, the forest is, is totally devastated um yeah a wizard should know better yeah 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 exactly yeah and and i like that's another thing that i i think i missed um or maybe i just forgot about but um the uh you know the ents kind of have a have a trust of saruman you know because he's like taken care of them before and like he he, I think, what does he say? Like he used to walk, you know, in, in this forest and whatnot, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, that is another sort of, we, uh, from the, you know, audience perspective, we only see Saruman as, as sort of this evil, we, we caught it right away in our commentary. We were like, this dude's lair looks evil. Like, <laughs> can't you tell? Right, <laughs> you know? right. So like we, we see him as sort of this, this dark force, um, you know, he's always that in the, in these movies, but, um, in some ways, like you can tell that there, he was at one point, an actual caretaker, a good, you know, wizard. He was someone who hadn't been gearing up for a war against, against all, um, you know, and that, that's, that's I interesting. Think... I, I like, we, we barely mentioned it last week, but he has that line where he says like, he's, he's coming for it all. Sauron's coming for it all. Um, you have to join him, basically. <laughs> like there's there's no stopping him. You have to get on board or or you know, you're you're gonna lose. Um Yeah. I wish that we could have more depth with Saruman in some ways. Yeah. Um they really fumbled that in the Hobbit trilogy. <laughs> they got Christopher Lee back. <laughs> he was there with Ian McKellen. They have all these scenes with, you know, the OGs with, you know, Galadriel and stuff. They're sitting around having a dumb, like, th- thing with Elrond. And, and it's like, I don't know why they chose, like, Saruman's like, but we could use the dark power. I'm like, what the heck, man? Like, why couldn't they have just written him to be, what if he was just kind of like, it's nothing to worry about. Yeah. yeah. I think that would have been way cooler. Yeah. Like if he if he was just super nonchalant, like oh it's all good. Like if he was more like Gandalf, because they were buds, right? Um, or even if he had sort of a more, um, you know, like ambiguous uh, relationship to 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 Sauron, you know, where it's like like it's so obvious scientific. Yeah. Yeah. It's something like like, that. Yeah. yeah. Like it's super obvious that (laughs) that Saruman is already bad in, in those movies. It's like super weird. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you there. Yeah. But 
Well, we do. I I wanted anyway. to mention because we we were laughing about all the memes in uh, uh, in last week's um, episode. This movie is chock full of memes as well. Okay, <laughs> there's yeah, there's they're taking the uh, the hobbits to Isengard. Uh, it potatoes. Hurts. It hurt. It it hurts <laughs> when he says they're taking the hobbits. I was like, I was like, oh man. This is like this is like hate speech right here. I don't even know what's going on, but um, it's yeah. I don't know why it just gives a, this cringe that makes me want to throw up in my mouth, and it's like I'm imagining Owl City playing on the radio again. I just I I, I can't I can't handle it. Takes it, you back. You know? it takes you back to those days. Yeah. You know? I even think I think um, Withered Theoden is a meme too, isn't he? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I love the potatoes. Potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um and another one is is the the golem conversation, which we the golem speedo yep. conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Iconic, yeah. man. Like Andy Circus, like it's just he it's so again, like talking about the CGI being a little dated here and there. Um, but Andy Serkis just sells. Oh yeah! It. Like as an audience member, you just kind of buy in at a certain point. You don't even like, like he starts as this like evil creature, then he's crying, and then suddenly he's got just something about his performance that has like the split characteristic. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's it's great. I think he's one it's of the great. very early. Um, like full CG characters. Um, I think that was something that I yeah. that I was reading. Um, yeah, which is interesting. I mean, he's he he does a great job. He, I think, um, they were just gonna pull him in for the voice, and they were gonna do Gollum, um, you know, fully animated and you know whatever else. Um, and you know his performance was so like captivating while they were recording that they wanted to, you know, they wanted to, to film him and use him as reference. And then they started trying to use him as reference, painstakingly animate, animating every, you know, frame. And it became really difficult. So they, they actually, they devised the way that they, they did it where, you know, which was motion capture. It was very, very early motion capture. Um, with his face and yeah, with a, with a body rig and whatnot and all throughout, like this was stuff that they were doing it during the filming of two towers. Like, like, you know, they, they had no idea, you know, how to do a character like this, not no idea, obviously, but, but it was, you know, it was kind of, it was a, you know, it was, it was pioneering how to, how to do that. And it's it doesn't i don't think it even feels that that date i mean maybe a little bit but like the the performance and the the character i think i think really go above and beyond um in in this movie so yeah he's he's great he's circus is always like whenever every every movie he's he's in i i just love his his performances he's in um i think he's in uh He's in a movie called District Nine, I think. Um, no, it, 
No, Isn't he's he? not. I don't think so. I've never seen it. I gotta watch District Nine. Um, no, maybe, maybe I don't not. think he's, he's in not. it. Um, what am I thinking? He's of? in a bunch of stuff. I loved him in Black Panther. Oh yeah, uh, he's gr- he's the best part I, of that movie. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's just full of energy. He's really well known in the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, movies, but I didn't I didn't watch those. And um, just looking through the list, I mean, like he does Snoke in the new Star Wars movies. But yeah, this this is his huge standout. Um, but I I like him as a live action actor. Yeah, as me well. too. Um, I think for so. a little while he got kind of um, pigeonholed as like the yes the, he's the mocap animated guy, um, but you know he he was able to break out of it with some of the Marvel stuff that he was doing and yeah um, yeah and uh, I forgot he's in he's in the Prestige he's <laughs> that's so funny he's like one of the like helper guys, I think. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 That's right. That's right. Yeah. No, he's fantastic as Gollum clearly steals the show, uh, in terms of like performance. Although I got to say Theoden, a little bit of the run for the money there. Definitely. I think Theoden has like very, um, just like, it's like Shakespearean performance. Mm in this in this and just the long dialogue sections and all that i guess maybe even sam does it just with a modern emotional approach um but a couple other things i want to highlight just before as we wrap up the conversation i love the scene where um gandalf's reunited with aragorn and the and the guys and um aragorn tells him actually sam went with yeah Frodo. and i just love uh Ian McCollum's reaction. He's like, Oh, Oh good. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's like, like just like this, this moment of relief. Like he's kind of seen into the future. He's sort of like this angelic figure, uh, reappearing. We didn't even touch on the Balrog smite and his kind of vision into the afterlife. Mm. Love that. He like kind of breathes in that white background. Um, but also the Balrog falling off. Oh, the mountain so cool. With the light. Oh man. <laughs> so good. So, so good. Um, we didn't touch too much on the Urukai, and it looks like meat's <laughs> back on the menu, but I had to That's another it. meme. Uh, <laughs> yep. Very, very good. And, uh, just in terms of like action set pieces, there's the, the fight with the dogs. That's, that's mm. great. Um, oh yeah. And Aragorn gets tossed over the mountain and he's dead for a little bit in the movie. That part I'm always bored. <laughs> I'm so bored. About he's that. walking with the horse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the, uh, assembling of like the 10,000 marching, the Osgiliath battle. I lo- dude, the ring raves and the bog, oh, all yeah. that stuff where they're like, where it's like, he's like flying over that swamp section. Frodo falls face first into the, <laughs> That one always ghost. scared me when right. I was a kid. Yeah, the JPEGs <laughs> are freaky. Um, but 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 really though, that that scene is uh, horrifying to read in the book and and still great. In the I book. love how the bog I, is I like literally just if I mean they call it the flaming bog, and it is just like little little pockets of flame that are like shooting out of it. It's so weird. Yeah, but I yeah I love it with dead faces. I just like I I yeah the faces in the water and then the way the eyes open. Oh my yeah, gosh, yeah, yeah. so good, 
So, so good. Yeah. And the Nazgul, uh, riding the, or the, and, and the, and the, um, the hooded riders and stuff like, wait, are, are the Nazgul the dragons? The, no, the Nazgul, are the, they're the men, the dragons. I forget what they're called. Who knows? But those dragons are freaky, yeah, they're cool. dude. They make yeah. the Game um, of Thrones dragons look like chumps, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are. There's some, I, those dragons are just gross and... I don't know. Like, I think there's something about them being, like, snakish. And then they have, like, those sharp claw teeth. I'm talking about the Lord yeah, of the Rings ones. Um, yeah, they, they're they great. Uh, the scene in... I love like when he like floats up and is like jumping towards the ring and in Osgiliath. Um, can't wait to see the fall of Osgiliath. That's mm-hmm. like a highlight yeah. for me yeah. in Return of the King. Um, yeah, so those are those are some moments. Just wanted to uh, pull them up. I'd be um, remiss if I didn't bring them forward. Now, so. also, um, you mentioned like the action and the set pieces significantly oh, higher yeah. in this movie like in terms of yes. of scale and you know whatever even like choreography in a lot of ways like the yeah it it it's it, it bumps it up a notch i think well i loved the helm's deep fight yeah. i think the flow and the setup of that castle is awesome the way that they show the little hole that you're like uh oh that's the weak point they set that up. Saruman building a bomb, which doesn't exist during that time or something. Uh, it's kind I, of like seen as magic. I always love that shot where the, he's just he's trying to take down the orc with the with the torch. You know, he's running. Yeah, <laughs> I always love that. Oh, it's yeah, it's so and the explosion looks crazy. Yeah. I think it's yeah, a miniature, I think it right? Is, yeah. it, it's got to be a yeah, miniature. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, so the the way that the castle fight set up, like I said, it's a great Lego set. Come on, man. That is a great Lego set. You got the long bridge. It's just a, it's just appealing for the audience. You're like you want to see the guys fighting on the bridge. You want to see the guys like blow up the wall. The 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 small ladders and then like the escalation of massive ladders and the harpoons. And you have the outer wall. You have the lower wall. You have like the inner wall. You know, yeah. like and so you get that cool the the door fight, um, all the arrows, all the guys jumping up on the ladders, um, kind of like the ground combat where they when they blow up the thing and Gimli jumps off and and then the the elves kind of pile in and they're all kind of running up that small stairway up into the. Um, the upper wall, and so they're kind of cornered and cornered again, all the way up into the throne room. I think that, I think that the Helm's Deep escalation and kind of like the retreating, it works the the best in in the franchise. Um, yeah, I'd I'd probably agree. W- yeah, with Gondor, it's just a huge city, huge, huge. I would have loved to see. And I don't remember. Maybe I maybe I'm wrong, but I would have loved to see the orcs all the way up to that that front door, you know, uh, where Theoden sits and then eventually takes a nice high dive jump. Yeah, but you gotta you admit, know? I mean that that shot is awesome. You know, I mean, we'll we'll get into it next week. But yeah, no, yeah. I but I agree. I think I think Helm's Deep is a classic. Um, 
like it should be Siege. it should be studied for like the medieval um like war you know like i know you didn't finish game of thrones but uh there's a final there's like one big battle sequence against the white walkers in the end that's done so terribly it's so terrible um and it's like man you guys should have you guys should have should have done something like this it would have been way better you know so well i do remember i think i got to a white walkers like against the wall and i remember that being all right is that the part you're no it's about? in the final season oh yeah. okay well like the wall siege in game of thrones i was like yeah yeah this is pretty sick and they're dropping rocks and they're climbing up the wall you remember um and then i actually think the best game of thrones moment is with uh i think the end of season three where they have the or two it's like um the flame i think the, it's, the dragon yeah. flame or whatever yeah. yes yeah, yeah. yeah. With, where, where yeah. it's um that's season two yeah with Tyrion. That's like the greatest. That's so that's good. Really good. Like Tyrion, like he basically is like, it's like he's making the moves yeah, on the board. Yeah, yeah. Right. And they are kind of like, this could go one of two ways. It's not like they have no hope, but it, it is, it feels like that's where the pieces are being taken off the board. Yeah. Right. Like that is a, that is such a rewarding moment. That's a moment in that show where you're like, I gotta watch more, you yeah. know? Um, very different vibe. <laughs> Very, very different vibe than Lord of the Rings. But as far as castle sieges go, I don't think anything beats the Helm's Deep siege, period. Yeah, I can't think of any. I'm trying to think of, like, is there another movie that does a siege great like that? Mm. It could be modern. I don't know, Battle of Hoth? Not quite as good. It is pretty good, though. It's a good siege scene. It is really good. Yeah, I don't know. I can't. I can't think of one. Maybe I'll think about it this this week going into next. Though I I I haven't seen, um, I haven't seen like Troy or like Gladiator or anything. So maybe I'm. Tim says I need to watch The Green Knight. Um, you probably don't need to watch The Green Knight. I liked it, but (laughs) (laughs) you probably don't care about it um i've never seen kingdom of heaven oh that's that's one that's the one where like the theatrical was really bad and then they put out the the director's cut and everybody's like this is amazing (laughs) right (laughs) i don't know i really don't know um it just has like one of those covers and then i've never seen gladiator but i don't know if there's like an actual siege in that um I'm trying to think of like best siege in movies. Home Alone. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Dang. That's a good point. <laughs> Home Alone. That's a deep cut. I would say, you know, you got Helms Deep and Home Alone. Those would be at the top. They said Seven Samurai. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I guess, yeah, but I guess that's true. I don't really know. Uh, Panic Room is on there. I, on it's list. not really. I mean, it's not really what we're looking for. But, but I I agree. But it's just, yeah. The other one is Die Hard, but that's kind of like a reverse siege. Um, where it's like he loses it, 
and he's hiding. <laughs> and then, like, he slowly picks him off. <laughs> you know, I think... I think I could see that. You know what's not on this list? Helm's Deep. Cameron, you heard it here first. That's all I want to say. When people start talking about the best Siege movies, uh, they're going to bring up, you know, Army of Darkness or Evil Dead 2 or whatever. Um... Yeah, come on. We we said it here first. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. Obviously. Obviously, Two Towers. It's Two Towers. Well, I think that pretty much wraps it up. We recommend it. You should watch it. We're going to get into Return of the King next week. We post every Tuesday. Thank you guys for listening. Cameron, any final thoughts? Anything you no, want to say? Can't wait to, Last chance. Can't wait to watch this four and a half hour movie. Woo! I'm ready. Bring me back to Osgiliath, man. <laughs> see the streets yeah. out there. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast that is fully funded on Patreon.com. Shout out to our producers, Darren O'Neill, for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at Patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. If you want to learn more about the benefits you can get, Check out our Patreon. The show cannot happen without you great listeners, so we thank you for all your kindness and support.